Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and be our teacher. I thank you for your presence with us this morning. I thank you that you, you reveal the word of God to us. And so I just pray, be with us this morning. Continue to speak to us. Speak and let your, your agenda and your message come through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my personal highlights from Ashburnham were that there was a particular phrase used, which was that being charismatic was not just our roots. So it's not just our heritage as a church, but it's our future. That the, the only way that the church, that New Ground, New Frontiers as a movement would have any kind of future is by continuing in reliance in the pow- on the power for the, of the spirit for the miraculous and supernaturally changed character. Uh, it's not just our roots, it's our, he- and our heritage, it's our future. I think that's so important what Simon said about the fruit of the Spirit being evident as well. Um, but reliance on the power of the Spirit for the miraculous to happen and for supernaturally changed character is not just our heritage, it's our future. It's not something that we can move beyond that. It's essential for a mature and healthy church to be moving in the power of the Spirit. And the other thing that really stuck out for me, which it wasn't really, I don't think it was intentionally uh, part of the thing, but lots of, uh, of the speakers mentioned the fact that Jesus is king, that he's sitting on the throne, that he is building his church, and it's not that he's just sat there relaxing, being fanned by some angels. It's like that he is eagerly, he's looking and going, I'm building the church, I'm moving people into position strategically I'm actively involved in the building of the church and for me that was a really a really helpful thread that ran through right through the weekend and uh, that Jesus' rule is active and his reign is is now and uh, since the weekend I was listening to a talk and someone said this God can move in our day with such power that things many of us believe to be gone forever can be renewed, revived, and reformed. I'm going to read that again. God can move in our day with such power that things many of us believe to be gone forever can be renewed, revived, and reformed. God can do an amazing thing in and through your life. Do you believe that? Not necessarily a showy thing. It might not be that you had, you know, two arthritic hips and now suddenly you can do cartwheels and dance around. It might not be a showy thing, but God can do an amazing thing in your life. And the reason that particularly spoke to me is because I've, I think maybe, maybe it's uh, the culture we live in, maybe it's just my personality. I think we, we can struggle with cynicism sometimes. And hope and cynicism are incompatible. It's easy to be a cynic. We can feel clever to be cynical. I think it's easy to be that, isn't it? It's easy to go pick holes in things and be negative about stuff. And it seems clever, but actually I think it's the easy thing. It's hard to be hopeful. 
It can be difficult to have faith. I think that's why Jesus said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, it's like he's trying to encourage us. You only need a little bit and something will happen, but it's hard. it can be hard to have hope. Particularly, I think, the way the world is shaped at the moment. It's difficult. I was talking to someone yesterday. It's difficult to even trust what, what news source can I rely on? These seem to have an agenda and they seem to have an agenda and they claim to be neutral, but they're very obviously not. It, 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 can, be, it can be hard not to be cynical. Being cynical affects the way we think, speak and act. Having hope affects the way we think, speak and act. Living our lives with wise, faith-filled hope dramatically impacts these things. It's a challenge to do it and it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. As I said, our default position is cynicism. Actually, I think God wants to change that. The church shouldn't be a cynical place. The church should be a hope-filled place. How we think about things shapes how we speak and act. There's an old uh, proverb that says, sow a thought, reap an action, sow an action, reap a lifestyle, sow a lifestyle, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. Starts with a thought. What you think shapes how you act. It's not hard to dwell and think about negatives, but the Bible says this. Is this working? No. You click it on, I think, two. Is that me doing it? You? Me. Great. So this, this is the Bible. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This could be hard to think. It can be hard to think today. When you're watching the TV, you're watching a film, you've picked something to watch, do you ever check your phone? Anyone do that? Anyone found themselves, I picked a film to watch, I sat down maybe with your, your family, okay, great, okay, the, the, the credits have started, oh. oh, hang on, I was watching this. We live in an age of distraction. We need to fight for space to think. We need to find space that's free from distractions. Maybe go somewhere and leave your phone. This, as we, uh, as we got back from Ashburnham on the way back, my phone died, it wouldn't charge. So I had about 36 to 48 hours without a phone. Oh, it was joy, not for everyone else, but it was joy. I turned on my phone, 148 messages from 12 chats. It's like, oh my goodness. Not, maybe that's not many for some of you, but I was thinking, oh, good grief. Um, but we need to find space to have, let things ruminate in our minds. Let us think about things. Think about big things. 
Allow the Bible to shape how we think about things. Think with hope. Try and catch yourself if you're thinking cynically. What does the Bible say about governments? The Bible says they're put there by God and you should pray for those who are in authority. Is that how we think about the government, about the rulers and authorities? I wager it's not. Now, I'm not saying hope removes all logic and wisdom and sound mindness. Be engaged in a democratic process, but can we think and allow those thoughts to shape us in a hopeful way? Because our God can move in our day with such power that things many of us believe are impossible can happen. How we think affects how we speak. Our words matter. I don't know if you've ever done a, a personality profile, uh, you know, Myers-Briggs or something like that. Um, I've, I've done a few of those things in my life. And one, one of my things is I'm an external processor. So that means often I process things and he's... And he's scoffing because uh, we'll be talking about something and I'll, I'll say, oh, this, this, this and this. But I don't think any of that anyway. And then because I've processed things externally. But what I've come to find in my marriage is that you can't use being an external processor as uh, an excuse for being careless with what you say. Because your words matter. And what I say matters. So I can't just say, oh, I think we should do this. And then Megan's like, oh, OK, we're doing that. And then, oh, oh yeah, but I didn't really think that. that that's so unhelpful and not a, a, a loving way to be a husband. But what we say matters. Even if you're an external processor like me, what you say matters. In James, the book of James, the tongue is described as the rudder on a ship or the, the bit in a horse's mouth that you steer the horse with. It guides, your tongue potentially guides the direction of your life what you say, how you speak about things. It's easy to speak cynically. Ephesians 4, 29 says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you speak in a way that builds up or tears down? Do you speak hope and life into situations or do you speak cynicism and death? As I said, this is not saying we can't ever bring critique or correction. But if you're always negative about everything, that's never going to happen. Oh, they'll never do that. Is that building up and encouraging or is it just weighing people down? Sometimes people need a little challenge like that, but you have to be wise in how you do it. We need to speak life and hope into situations. There's enough hopelessness if you watch, regardless of the news source you subscribe to, there's enough hopelessness already. We need to be telling people 
that the God we serve can move in our day with such power that things we wouldn't, you wouldn't even believe can happen. How do we act? Do our lives reflect our faith in what God can do? Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This week, I went shopping in the name of the Lord. Genuinely, on Tuesday, I got in the car to go and do the click and collect of the shopping, uh, and I needed, we needed some stuff from in Tesco as well, which is the um, place that we shop from. Other supermarkets are available. Um, <laughs> but I, instead of listening to talk sport on the radio, which is what I would normally do, I, for the last sort of couple of months, I've got back into listening to talk sport. Um, instead of listening to that on the radio or some music uh, from my phone, I prayed on the way to the, the shop and said, God, let this be a, a, a moment where you use me or do something in, in this shopping trip. Um, and there was a moment that I, I feel like I, I succeeded and I saw what God was doing. And there's a moment where I was, got in the car afterwards and I was like, oh, I should have said that. And it would have been uh, funny and good. But as I was walking around the shop, uh, Tesco, uh, I saw my neighbour from two doors down, who I have spoken to probably 20 times, didn't know his name, I know he's got some small children, we've got some small children, I've said stuff to him like, you all right, how you doing? Yeah, school run, eh? You know, all those sorts of neighbourly things, but we've never had a proper conversation. And so I thought, thank you, Lord, this is the moment and I, so I walked alongside him and talked to him for a, a sort of three or four minutes uh, and we had a conversation and uh, uh, potentially have arranged to have a dinner together as families, um, which is great because I, I want to get to know my neighbours and I want to sort of share my faith with them and, and sort of encourage them. Um, and they've got small children, they can be friends with our children, that's great. It was a moment where actually I felt like, yes, God, uh, such a simple prayer, God, use this shopping trip. And I seized the opportunity. And as it happens, after we'd finished talking, I started to walk away and I got a few steps away and I was looking at something and I thought, I still don't know his name. So I walked back over to him and I said, I'm so sorry, I've completely forgotten your name. This is really embarrassing. Can you just remind me? I'm sure I learned it a few years ago, but I've completely forgotten. And I could tell he didn't know my name either. But, so, but I was willing to fall on the sword and go, Aaron, Mark, nice to meet you. So now I know my neighbour's name. I can invite him over. We're going to have a, hopefully have a barbecue or a meal together um, before the summer ends, if that fits in, or maybe whenever. Um, but that was a moment where I prayed and I responded to what God was doing. Then as I got my stuff, I went round to the click and collect. And as I was driving past the door, the guy in the click and collect thing was playing a wooden flute, sat on the chair, which quite interesting to me um, and I thought oh, I'll tell Megan about that because we'd probably have a little chuckle to her I go, as I was driving by the door the guy was he was playing the flute he was just sitting on the chair playing his little flute and I thought that, that's normally what I do I'd go home I'd tell Megan and we sort of go oh that's really interesting um, or she would just go what do I care about that um, <clears throat> but this time I thought hang on I've just spoken to my neighbour, I'm feeling like, oh, well, maybe this is God's in this. I said, oh, what were you, what were you up to in there? So what, what were you playing? And he said, oh, I'm just playing an Irish, uh, uh, um, 
a wooden flute made from Irish yew wood. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Where did you get that? Oh, I got it from New York. Oh, wh what were you doing in New York? I lived there. I was, and he started telling me about his, um, his life and what he'd been doing there. And he said something, and I was gutted that I didn't think of the response in time. He said, actually, I was a therapist there. He said it was a slightly weird therapy. It was about rebirthing, and it was this sort of yogic thing. And I missed the opportunity. As I got in the car, I realized what I should have said to him is, I do rebirthing counseling as well. <laughs> and that would have been my in to share the gospel with him. Now, I was disappointed because I didn't actually say that to him. But I was pleased because I, I felt like uh, my awareness has been raised of these conversations. There was an opportunity to talk to him. And then we, it was my mum's birthday a little while ago. This is all this week. This just happened, literally. I prayed at the beginning of the week, God, help me to be a bit sharper with these things. We went to uh, Rickmansworth Aquadrome for lunch with my parents. And uh, while we were there, a little girl went missing. It was like this, the, the mum, she was distraught. She was in floods of tears. She was freaking out. I was running around looking. She's, the mum said, she said I was about 30 seconds away from diving into the water because I thought my little girl was in there. So there's a mum who had, she had a little, I don't know, maybe about three-year-old and a three-month-old. Um, and uh, as it happens, Megan found the little girl. She'd gone into the toilet and sort of got herself shut in there and couldn't get out. She, this, this woman was distraught. And uh, so we sort of had our lunch and she was sitting over there and she was calming down and stuff. And I just went over to her and I said, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. I'd love to pray for you for peace because you're, you're very obviously upset. And the Bible says that God can give us peace that passes understanding. And you need some of that right now. And she said, I'd love it if you prayed for me. I, I've been looking for a church. I'm sort of on the, it's hard to come to church because my husband doesn't believe, but I have a faith in God. Thank you so much. Now, it'd been very easy for me to go, that was nice of us to, you know, search around and find her daughter for her. And that'd just be the end of it. We'd done a, we'd done a good act, a good deed. But actually, there was more that God wanted to do. Think, speak, act. Because God can move in our day with such power that things that many of us believe to be gone forever can be renewed, revived and reformed. This used to be a nation where the majority of people would be in church on Sunday, where the majority of people would say that they believed in a living God. Things that we believe might be gone forever, God can move in our day to renew those things.